This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Candy. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So we're going to talk today about the Under-18 World Hockey Championship, which just feels weird talking about an international hockey tournament, given just almost every single one of them seems to get canceled. Of course, at the time of recording this, we found out the Women's World Championship will not go, uh, will not happen, which was supposed to begin the day that the gold medal game of the under-18s was happening. So it was pretty close. Um, but this is a tournament that is very exciting because there are just so many good prospects this year. You got guys who are, are really good 04s, got no five to watch. You got some really solid guys that are just this is going to be a very good tournament overall. It's, you know, there's been so much talk about the 2021 draft not being up to the standards of a lot of other drafts that we've seen. And it's kind of a shame we didn't get to see the 2020 uh, draft class get to really shine in a tournament like this. But it's there's still so many intriguing options that, to me, it almost feels as fun as when we saw McDavid in 2013. Yeah, the stars are kind of aligning in a different way than they did back in that McDavid year. And, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate circumstances, but having said that, it's going to be the most important world under 18s ever. You know, just talking to scouts on both sides of the pond here, you know, whether it's the OHL kids who will be seeing, you know, some of them will be seeing the ice for the first time this season formally. And, and even Finland, you know, there was kids playing for Helsinki-based programs that, you know, they got shut down. They haven't played real games since late November. So like Yoker kids and HIFK kids, um, this is going to be a big tournament for them too. So a lot of emphasis is being put on this tournament more so than usual. And obviously in a, in a normal year, this is one of the big uh, dates on the calendar for draft scouts. Well, you mentioned Finland, so let's start with Finland. We'll just talk kind of about the, the big teams who are really watching this tournament. There are a lot, of, a lot of questions and unknowns on a lot of these teams like Latvia and Germany. So we'll go start with Finland. Who would you say is are the 2021 guys we should really keep an eye on for this team? Yeah, there's a pretty nice crop uh, of, of 2021s. Um, you got Samuel Salmanen, who uh, could be a, a first-rounder, you know, high-skill guy, checks a lot of boxes, um, there'll be a lot of intrigue around him. There's also Samu Tuomala, who, uh, again, a lot of potential in terms of his physical tools and his skills, doesn't have the greatest hockey sense. So, you know, when I talk to scouts, they say, is he kind of a Yessi Pugliarvi type of player uh, where there's definitely something there, but he's got to put it all together uh, moving forward. And uh, staying up front, you got Oliver Kapanen, uh, son of Sammy Kapanen, brother of Kasperi Kapanen. Oliver is a tremendous two-way forward, much like his dad. Um, you know, scouts are pretty intrigued by him just because of that all-around package that he brings to the ice. And then on the back end, because Finland, you know, they, they trot out some really nice D-men, especially lately. Uh, Alexi Malinen or Malinen. Uh, this year, uh, very good transitional defenseman, maybe not uh, as, as super high end as a Miro Heskinen or a Vili Hainala, uh, but a pretty accomplished uh, defenseman in his own right. And certainly somebody that, that Finland is going to, to lean on at this tournament. 
perhaps the most anticipated player on the team, the kid, Brad Lambert, uh, who we saw at the World Juniors, and he was he was excellent for the Finns at the World Juniors. He'll be in this tournament as well. Uh, of course, he's not eligible for the NHL draft until 2022, uh, but he is going to be a dynamic presence on that team. And, and ironically, you know, he could be kind of one of the leaders since he's been at the World Juniors. Um, the last category I'll mention for, for all these big countries is, is goaltending. And it's actually not a great year for Finnish goaltenders. The one that scouts are kind of intrigued by is Aku Koskinvuo, uh, because he does have the requisite size. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how many starts he gets versus the other guys and, and how well he does. Uh, but that is sort of the, uh, the situation for Finland right now. Now I've, for very obvious reasons, I know you're a very big fan of the bigger goalies. I've, Venny Vehlainen is one of my favorite Finnish goalies of all time. The dude was tiny, but he just like, you just can't stop the guy when he gets hot. I just don't think he'll obviously really translate to the NHL. But for this Finnish team, it's, again, there's, they don't have a whole lot of star power. Obviously, Brad Lambert's a really exciting player. We're looking at him probably being the, the first line center on this team. And um, th- this team, it, it has solid depth, though. That's the thing. It, it's not a team where they're probably going to go outscore their opponents by quite a bit each game, but they're They may win some games against some good competition, two, one, three, two type thing. That's kind of just what Finland does. And let's not forget a couple of years ago, when you look at that, that U S uh, the, the U S team that had Jack Hughes in 2018, go against that Finnish team of Kako Kako. That was such a fun team, but it's like they had a couple of star guys and then it was just kind of okay after that. But Finland just internationally, we call them the pesky Finns for a reason. They always find a way. And this looks like a team that's still, again, they don't have the super high talent, but I think having a guy like Brad Lambert or in, in this case, goalies that are not totally like, there's no super great option where one of those guys can really take control here. This is a team that I think, I don't want to say has upset potential, but it, it, they'll still be, a medal looks like a good shot at least. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be in the mix. And I I think that's the great thing about the Finnish program, especially in the past 10 years, is, you know, for the most part, they're always in the mix. And they always make sure that, you know, they they play they play the right way and and they play as a team, which somehow, you know, sometimes makes up for a a lack of high end skill. But then we've also seen a lot of high end skill from Finland lately. So it's, it's an interesting program. And yeah, I, I, like I said, I think they'll be in the mix for sure. Now we're going to switch topics and go with Russia. So I was on a recent podcast uh, where I talked about the, the teams that I really like for gold, and I didn't mention Russia mostly because every time I pick Russia to play well in this tournament, they disappoint me. So I was kind of hesitant to go with them this year, but they this one angel scout contacted me and said, yeah, you, you really underestimated the Russians. And I think, to be honest, I probably did. This team actually is going to be an exciting one to watch where they've got really, really good prospects that we're all talking about for 2023. Hey, Connor Bedard, you better be really good. Um, but this is a Russian team that I think, again, without a, an abundance of high-end talent, I think just has enough depth really to kind of make up for it. Yeah, and what's interesting about this Russian team is just based on the schedule this year, um, you know, the Russian junior playoffs were, were still in full swing when they had to sort of quarantine and have camp. And they pulled all their best players out of the, MA, the MHL 
because they recognized that the world under 18s were going to be a huge opportunity for these guys. So they've got a lot of firepower. And what I like about this Russian team is the forward core. And I know we kind of always say that because, you know, Russia has a lot of dynamic players, but you, you like can actually pretty much do a template. You could do a template. You say you their could. offense is good, their defense yeah. isn't good, and their goaltending is the X factor. That's kind of how it is oh, almost yeah. every tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that pretty much applies here as well. Uh, but what I will say is I, I like the versatility of the forwards. So you have Fyodor Svechkov, uh, you know, who's going to be a 2021 first rounder, great two way player, uh, can really impact the game all over the ice. Uh, you have Nikita Chabrikov, another first rounder uh, for 2021 dynamic skill, you know, heavy compete level has played against men this year and, and look really nice, even internationally. Uh, you got Prokhor Poltapov, who I think is really strong on the puck and, and just, you know, like a really like sturdy kid already. And you think about what he'll be as he continues to build himself up. It's pretty exciting. And then Matei Petrov, who of course went first overall to the North Bay Battalion in the CHL import draft. Uh, I thought he played, you know, pretty well this year for, I'll call them the Soviet wings. Cause that's what they used to be called. I think they're Kralia or something now. Um, but I, I thought he did pretty well on that team this year, even though he didn't have a ton of support around him uh, for an X factor. I will go with a blue liner. Uh, somebody that caught my eye this year while watching video, Nikita Novikov, uh, oh, yes. just a Big kid, really mobile. I kind of get like a Nikita Zadorov vibe from him. Uh, I think he'll be interesting to watch. I don't see a ton of high-end skill on this Russian blue line. And part of it's bad luck where, you know, Daniel Chek is not there. Kirill Kursanov, who played so well at the World Juniors, is an 0-2 as well. Um, so they won't have those guys. But Novikov, I think, will be a fun one to watch. And then, of course, the kids, as we alluded to, Matej Michkov, who was just a terror uh, this year in the Russian Junior League. He'll be there. And then Ivan Moroshnichenko, who uh, was supposed to go to Muskegon this year, couldn't get uh, the visa, um, and then almost couldn't get into this tournament, but they figured out the paperwork. So those two high-end kids are going to be there as well. They're going to be really fun. And as for goaltending, uh, once again, we come to the fork in the road between you and I, because they have Valerie Brinkman, who I think is five foot 10, five foot 11. Uh, so he's not really on my radar, uh, but he might end up being their starter. I know he's, he's pretty accomplished as a junior goaltender, so I'm not taking away anything from him. Um, but the one I'm interested in for the 21 draft is Kirill uh, Garrisamiak, six foot two, 931 save percentage this season. I don't know how many games he's going to get, uh, but for me, he's the goaltender that I would see as more of a long-term NHL prospect. Which doesn't mean a whole lot in a, a short tournament, but it, there's also a reason why a player is viewed like that. So that, that's all my say on, on small goalies. You can run them in an international tournament. It doesn't really matter what their NHL career is to True. the Russian under-18 team today, but it is. But Russia is a team that I think for sure, we're going to be talking about it. I, if they win the gold, I think would be almost sneaky just because of a couple of the uh, the teams and how strong they look. But Russia is just going to be a fun group, and that's that's the thing. Russia's got a group where each year in the World Juniors, um, they've they've got a lot of talent. You look at the U18s; they got a lot of talent. They can't seem to always put it together, but the U18s you can never count them out, pretty much ever. Yeah, I agree, and 
you know, because of the talent they have at this age group, I, I mean, they definitely have the horses to do it. That's for sure. And, and again, yeah. Can they put it all together? Do they, do they have enough defense? Uh, do they have enough goaltending? That, that might be a bit of an X factor. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, winning a gold medal, I, I certainly think, think they can, even if some of those guys aren't necessarily NHL prospects, they can be very good international players uh, in their age group. All right. So move on from Russia and we'll go to Sweden. Uh, that's a team where Sweden won gold in 2019. I think they won bronze or silver in 2016. So this is a team that's always very competitive. Um, but you know, they've they, they, that team also was led by the Terror Twins, Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond. So who should we watch on this team this year? Well, this is going to be a very interesting Swedish team for me. Um, the top 2021s. I'll start off with Simon Edmondson, uh, the defenseman. I have him as a top three pick. Uh, in this year's draft. Right now I have him number two. I'll probably do some rankings pretty soon. Um, big kid, skates really well. He can help you at both ends of the ice. Uh, I really liked him when he played in the Alston Scon this year for Vasteris. Uh, got him some more ice time, and, and that was great for him. Um, next up, and this is a really interesting case, uh, Fabian Lysel super skilled, you know, uh, very talented kid, but kind of immature. Um, a lot of rumblings behind the scenes about um, him not really being a team player, uh, sort of, a, you know, like, will coaches have the patience for him long term? And, you know, Gundler uh, was a, an example of that last year in Sweden. So people kind of compare Lysel to Gundler in that aspect. Um, but in a short tournament, as long as he's on the right page, he's a dynamic presence and, uh, Sweden will certainly need him. So he's definitely one to watch and a, a potential first rounder for sure. Uh, next you got William Stromgren, uh, big kid, great hands, really came on at the end of the season and, uh, you know, was playing against men. I thought he looked really good. Um, Skating is, uh, you know, technically not great, but he gets around the ice fine. He kind of loops a bit, um, but, you know, you can work that out. And then you have Isaac Rosen, uh, mm-hmm. who physically immature, uh, but a lot of talent. So, you know, that's the sort of player where you kind of say, all right, well, maybe in three, four years when he's, you know, been in the gym for a while and, and finished growing, he could be really something. As it is now, he's still a super talented player. Uh, and then Anton Olsen on the back end, he's more of your steady, uh, you know, defensive guy, uh, can sort of, you know, lock things down, keep things safe in your own end. So he might not be like the sexiest player, but he'll be very important. And, you know, when you're looking at the draft, uh, I think he's going to be a guy that the teams really look at as, as somebody that could contribute at the pro level. Um, my X factor is Simon Robertson. And he's another one of the top forwards for Sweden in this 2021 draft class. He's the son of a coach, uh, you know, plays the right way, good size, moves well. I think he could be a great X factor just because of that style and um, just sort of the confidence he has in his game. And, and as I said, you know, with a, a dad who coaches over in Sweden, you know, he knows how to be a pro already. And I think that can really help in a short tournament like this, especially when, you know, you're away from home, you're playing guys you've pretty much never played before. Uh, so Roberts will be very exciting. I'm not sure if he's a first rounder or if he's an early second rounder. Second it round. might be one of those 
sort of team decisions where <laughs> if somebody really likes him, they'll pull the trigger. Um, as for goaltending, the best Swedish goaltender, unfortunately, is a late 2002 birthday, Jesper Wallstedt, so he's not here. Um, Carl Lindbaum is one option. Um, I think this will be a big tournament for him. He's six foot one, so he's, he's there. He's got enough size, uh, but I don't know if he has enough upside necessarily to be a difference maker. This will be a big tournament for him. Yeah, and this is a guy that in international play before the U17 team and even the U16 team. Because the thing about Sweden, like like Russia and Finland, a lot of these guys will play together internationally from uh, the age of 15 until sometimes up until the end of the World Juniors. So these guys get very familiar. And Limblom's never been outstanding, but you could always tell it's like there's something there. And this will be his opportunity to kind of really show that. So I'm interested to see there. And it's too bad that they couldn't do Wallstead because, uh, again, that, that's just – it kind of just really starting to sink in how much we actually lost not having last year's tournament. Yeah. I've also sort of been joking to myself that I want to start a tournament that takes place like a week after the world under 18 It's called like the late, the world late birthdays. (laughs) And like, cause imagine this year it'd be like Wallstead, Aturati, Owen power, Maddie Beneers, Kent Johnson. Like you could have like an incredible uh, maybe, maybe you could maybe it's an all-star game between you know two teams of international players, but that'd be kind of fun. And see, because you look at um, it's not often that Canada and USA will bring a lot of these younger underage players, um, but they they do from time to time. So the Americans will fill in their under eighteen development program team with some under seventeens. But for Canada to get you know, those underage guys, it is pretty rare unless you're a really really top prospect. But that doesn't seem to be the case for a lot of the European teams. So that's it's nice to be able to see those guys when we do now let's go and talk about the teams from North America. And we'll start the United States where this group, we know how, uh, how much chemistry they have. Obviously the most of this U S national development team actually went on and played in the, uh, the, the top prospects game recently, the Boston game and kind of destroyed the USHL all-stars, but who are you watching on this team? Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting team. And you make a great point about that top prospects game where, you know, I thought that would be even on paper. I thought even Team USHL might have had an edge, but the chemistry of the NTDP was just way too much, and they won 7-1. Um, starting with the absences, uh, no Luke Hughes, no Tyler Boucher. Uh, they're both on the shelf, which is a pretty big blow uh, for the Americans. But uh, Luke Hughes wasn't at the top prospects game either. Uh, I don't think Boucher was either. So, you know, obviously they've moved on without them. Um, you know, the top 2021s, Chaz Lucius for me is uh, the most skilled dynamic player, uh, especially among the forwards. I mean, you can say Luke Hughes maybe as well on the, on the back end, but Chaz Lucius, just a pure goal scorer, always knows where to be. Um, I think he's going to be a, a huge impact player for them at this tournament. He can kind of lead the offense there. Sean Behrens, uh, who scouts absolutely love, you know, he's a slightly undersized defenseman, but he doesn't play that way. You know, he'll get his nose dirty. He's got a great stick, very elusive. You know, when he played on a pairing with Luke Hughes earlier in the year, scouts were saying Hughes got a lot of freedom because Barons did so many good things on that pairing that it, it really allowed Luke Hughes to flourish because he obviously has those dynamic traits as well. So Barons is going to be very key for them. And then you have Sasha, Sasha Pastajoff, uh, who has been a, a big offensive driver for them all year round, uh, especially because they've had a lot of injuries and, and sicknesses on that NTP team. 
Um, but Pastor Jeff, he's been a guy who, you know, you might not notice him all game, but then you look at the score sheet and he's got two points. Uh, he just gets it done. And then you got Dylan Duke, uh, another player that I would put in that sort of 25 to 45 category for the draft. Dylan Duke lives just outside of the crease. And I mean like one inch outside of the crease. And he's so good at those greasy goals. Uh, it's pretty impressive to watch. He gets them so often and uh, he'll be fun to watch. And then uh, Liam Gilmartin, you know, <laughs> the NTDP, this isn't a high skill year, but they have some really like not fun forwards to play against. And I feel Liam Gilmartin's the best of that crop, you know, like Redmond Savage, Justin Janicki certainly applied there as well. Uh, but Lee, Liam Gilmartin, North South guy, he can kill penalties. I've seen him score highlight breakaway goals. Uh, you know, he can play physical. Uh, I just really like that kid's game because he does so much. For an X factor, I'm looking at Andre Gasso, and this is actually his first year with the NTDP. Uh, he was with Shattuck St. Mary's the year before, uh, but he's a big body and he's got some nice offense to his game. He's still trying to sort of find his consistency. And, you know, there is that potential where he can take over games. I don't think he's quite realized it yet, but that's why he's my X factor because, you know, if, if he gets hot, that could be really big for the U S because then you're saying, okay, well, can we handle Lucius? Uh, we got to look out for, you know, Gil Martin and Savage and guys like that. But then we got Gasso on another line who is just really hard to handle. So I think he's an interesting one to watch. Uh, as for goalies, I think we've talked about this before uh, or I blogged about it where uh, it's, it's a weird year because mm -hmm. Gibson Homer uh, is a late birthday. So he's not eligible till next year's draft. Uh, Caden uh, Mabarico, uh, he's eligible, but he's kind of small. Um, so he's really going to have to sort of prove himself to scouts. And then they brought in Braden Holt uh, from the WHL, who plays behind Dustin Wolf in Everett, uh, which is kind of unfortunate if you're a goalie because Dustin Wolf is incredible. Plays all the games. Uh, and uh, another small goalie, but Dustin Wolf, I mean, he's just like Mr. Shadow. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of experience Braden Holt gets. Uh, in this tournament, but in terms of this year's draft, it's not like a big one for us goaltenders. Certainly there isn't a Spencer Knight, for example. Yeah. And this team, well, obviously we know there's a lot of really good players and, and not having Luke Hughes isn't fantastic. I think the fact that we're going to be able to see guys like Ruker McGordy and Logan Cooley on this team, this is a, a, a team that it, they're embracing the young talent of, of the, the younger age group. And obviously they, they, they needed to they're, they're, They always got to bring a couple guys from that. But like, this is a team that I think they're going to give those guys some pretty good shots on this team. I would say so. And, you know, you look at McGroarty and, you know, he, he's kind of similar to Gasso, but McGroarty is a more kind of elite version where he's a big kid, you know, very nice skill, hard to sort of uh, handle out there. And then Logan Cooley, uh, you know, he could be a top five pick next season. You know, McGroarty will be top 10 for sure. Uh, but scouts really like Logan Cooley. Uh, just a lot of talent there, and and he is a center. Um, you know, both of those kids, even though they are under 17s, they've played a lot with the under 18s this year. So there will be that familiarity, and I think that will really help them. 
And McGrudy, uh, McGrudy, I remember when the first time I heard about him, I think he was like 13 years old. But he, when he played in 2017-18 with Honeybaked, he had 40 goals and 30 or 47 points. So like 40 goals and seven assists in just 17 games. It was like <laughs> stupid good. And, and it was young kind of, award winner. No kidding. And it started to kind of balance out. But um, getting into his OHL draft year, uh, where he had obviously ultimately won with the, the U.S. National Development Team, he had 82 goals. He had 160 points in 63 games. Like, this guy is a pretty damn good talent. But it's like, to, like I, it's still kind of, I keep forgetting. It's like, he's not for this year's draft, but it's just because like we've known about him for so long because he just dominated all these age groups. So they're really cool because he is an 04 that he could come back next year and probably will be the most important player on that team. Cooley will be there and other guys will be there, but that's a, that's a fun group. Let's talk about team Canada. We have already discussed team Canada on this podcast a few weeks ago, but this is one where, Wow, it this is probably Canada's best shot at a gold in quite a long time. If correct me if I'm wrong, 2013 was the last time they won with with McDavid, and now they've got the next Connor McDavid, as you'll see in their most uh, upcoming hockey news issue. Actually, that's what uh, Ken calls him, Connor Bedard, and of course we've got uh, Shane Wright on this team. So think about that. Obviously, those are two guys to watch, but who should people know on this team? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent because obviously we don't have uh, the regular CHL playoff schedule. Uh, it's basically all OHL and WHL kids, uh, with the exception of Guillaume Richard, who played in the USHL this year. Uh, no Quebec League kids because they decided to uh, hang on to their players for uh, playoffs out there. Uh, no Cole Sillinger uh, due to COVID protocols and no Carson Lambos. Uh, not sure what happened to him yet, but he's had some sort of medical issue lately uh, that is, hasn't been explained yet, but he's out, which is unfortunate. Uh, but having said that, there's so much talent. And you mentioned it, uh, Connor Bedard and Shane Wright. Uh, you know, Wright's probably going to be first overall next year. Bedard's probably going to be first overall the year after that. These kids are incredibly dynamic and, uh, you know, both, you know, very much deserving of the exceptional status they got to join their respective leagues a year early. Uh, but the, the top 2021s on this team are pretty impressive too. Uh, Dylan Gunther, who to me is, you know, again, probably a top three guy in the draft. He has just been incredible for the Edmonton Oil Kings this year, basically scoring at will. Uh, obviously he will have that same role on Canada on the wing. Brant Clark, who is most likely the first, uh, CHL defenseman to go in the draft. Uh, definitely he's going to be the first OHL player to go in the draft. Uh, very good two-way blue liner who can, you know, power play a quarterback, do a lot of good things for you back there. Uh, Mason McTavish, who uh, looked really great over in Switzerland when he played there. Um, you know, he's a goal scorer, a lot of talent there. Uh, you can play center. Uh, you can play wing. Corson Kuhlemans, from Brooks in the Alberta Junior A League. Uh, he's a fun guy. I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, he reminds me of like Scott Stevens, mm -hmm. uh, except like Kuhlman's doesn't cross the line the way Stevens did. Uh, of course, Kuhlman's just throws some nasty, clean hits out West. And, and he's got talent as well. He's a good two-way defenseman. I expect him to be a pretty enticing first rounder as well. And, uh, and then Brennan Othman, who actually played in Switzerland mm -hmm. on the same team as McTavish. McTavish joined a bit later. Um, but, you know, Othman, uh, you know, great hockey sense, a lot of skill, uh, ticks a lot of boxes there. Very intriguing player 
Um, most likely a first rounder. Kind of depends on what teams like, but certainly, you know, he's one of those sort of 20 to 40 guys. Uh, for an X Factor, I'm looking at Chase Stillman, mm-hmm. friend of the podcast. Uh, he'll be there, son of Corey Stillman, brother of Riley Stillman. You know, a guy that can give you offense, but he can also play physical. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, internationally, I feel like Canada tends to use that physicality to their advantage. Uh, and as long as they don't get into penalty trouble, they can really sort of throw off some of the other teams. I could see Chase Stillman taking on that role and, uh, and, and being, you know, somebody that other teams do not want to play against. So I think he'll be a fun one. As for goaltenders, this is a crucial tournament uh, for Canada's goaltenders, and they do have some nice talent there. Benjamin Gaudreau from OHL Sarnia has not been able to play this year. So this will be his first organized hockey. Um, he faced a lot of pucks for the Sting last year. He's got a great pedigree. He's basically always been you know, one of the best in his age group, and especially on, in Ontario uh, coming up through the ranks. He was always one to watch. And then Tyler Brennan uh, from Prince George, he got into, I believe it was four games with the Cougars, uh, 9.33 save percentage. And, you know, I always like to get a sense of how that fits in. Uh, Taylor Gauthier was the other goaltender for Prince George. He's been getting lit up. Yes. (laughs) I think, he, you know, he's giving up like at least a goal a game more um, than Brennan did. And Brennan's got good size, so does Gaudreau. So this is going to be a big tournament for those guys to, to show what they can do. And uh, it'll be fun to see just how Canada, you know, sort of splits up the net. They also have uh, Millish from Seattle in the WHL on the roster. He doesn't have the same size as these guys or the same pedigree, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping that everybody gets to play at least a game or a couple of periods just because there's been so little ice time mm-hmm. this year. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, as strong a Canadian team as we've seen certainly since 2013 and they have a really good chance to win gold here. I also want to mention that Danny Jolkin, uh, who was born in Russia and is a Canadian Russian uh, citizen, will be playing for Canada. That means he will be going with Team Canada route going forward because in a situation like that, he could have, in theory, played for Russia. But then if he did, because it's the U18s, yeah, which is a WHF tournament, he would not be able to switch unless he played in Canada a certain number of years, which... He has, but be a bit more complicated of a process than that. So this is a very strong Canadian team. I'm going to go out and just on a lib, and I'm going to say Francesco Pinelli actually leads the team in scoring. I just have a really good feeling about him. I just, every time I watched him play in the Alps Hockey League, and it's, it's not a great league. He was playing in Slovenia there. I just like, this guy just took his game to a whole other level. And it's like he left on so much momentum that I'm like, I, I'm liking his odds there. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if Connor Bedard ends up being the top scoring guy on this team. Yeah. Which, could very much happen. This team's really good, really strong offensively. Um, they're, I like their defense. I know there's been some people that are really questioning the defense, and I don't agree with that. I think their defense is, is pretty solid. Um, where, you know, even if you needed to, you could run the top two pairings, and I think would be in good shape. And then their goaltending, you just need one of those guys to figure it out pretty quickly. And uh, this is one where Gujo. Some people were said floating the idea of him being a first-round pick this year, and I can't see that, especially not playing this year. More like a late second-round pick, even early third. But he'll probably go ahead of Tyler Brennan in the draft. But I just the way Brennan's playing, I think you almost got to give him the edge because you go with the hot hand. But at the same time, we've seen Hockey Canada where they they used a goalie who hadn't seen any action at the World Juniors and hasn't played ever hasn't played a game since, and that worked out really well. So it's kind of like. 
I don't know if I'm going game one. I think I want to see Brennan just because I think he, if you go with the guy who's playing hot, right? Yeah, it'll be very interesting. And, you know, it is tough in these tournaments. But like I said, you know, I, I'd like to see them go with a bit of a rotation uh, in the round robin. And then maybe what you do is somebody wins that job and you go with them for the medal round. Um, just because this is such an important tournament in terms of getting eyeballs of scouts on these kids that haven't had much of an opportunity to play this year. All right. So that's it for the top contenders. Are there any other players that people should be keeping an eye on, on the other teams? And I know specifically one guy, Belarus, I know you're going to mention because we've talked about him a few times on this show, but who, who are the guys that you, that you like? Yeah, we'll start with him because he's just kind of my personal favorite. And I know that, uh, you know, speaking with some NHL scouts, they haven't all seen him yet. So I'm hoping Ivan Zhigalov, uh, the goaltender for Belarus, gets some, some quality starts for that program uh, because I think he's played really well for them this year. He saw a bit of time in Russia with Dynamo Moscow's junior team and played well there, six foot three. Um, I, I think he's got a really good base to work off. So he's, he'll be a fun one to watch. And then, you know, I think this is going to be a very important tournament for some of the Swiss kids uh, because, you know, their, their world junior team was really bad. Very. You know, and I would say the draft eligible kids didn't really make much of an impact there. And, and some of them didn't even go. Um, you know, one that I'm actually curious about is defenseman Brian Zanetti, uh, who is taken in the import draft by Peterborough, obviously hasn't played for the Peds yet. Uh, but he had a pretty nice year over in Switzerland. And I, I'd like to see if there's something there. There's uh, also a player that you mentioned when we were setting this whole thing up, Atilio Biasca, uh, who was at the World Juniors, didn't really do much, uh, went to Halifax in the queue and uh, did okay. So I think this is like a nice springboard for those players to, to really say like, hey, you know, take a chance on us late. Hopefully they grow into something. Um, and then I think the Czechs will actually have a pretty nice team, even if it's a bit top heavy. Uh, they've got some nice elements. You know, Stanislav Savozel, mm-hmm. who was at the World Juniors, uh, looked really good there. He's been playing against men pretty much all season long, um, you know, back home. When he plays in his age group, he shows a lot more dynamic play, uh, you know, dynamic puck skills. When he plays against men, he's a lot more conservative, which I can understand because you don't want to screw up when you're a teenager. Uh, but I think he'll log a lot of ice time for the checks and he'll be fun to watch. Uh, goaltender, goaltender Patrick Hammerlund is somebody that I've been very curious about this year. Good size, been playing against men, loves to smother the puck. I'm not really sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing because it leads to defensive zone faceoffs, but he also stops the puck, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Um, so he'll be one to watch. And then uh, a couple of forwards on the radar, um, Jakob Rabanek. Uh, who played a lot. Uh, actually, he played on the same team as Savoza at the beginning of the year. I see him as maybe kind of a Radic Faxa type, like a two-way guy, because you can tell he's got that responsible edge to his game. Uh, didn't put up a lot of offense against men, but it's like, again, he's a teenager. It's understandable. So this might be a tournament where he really gets to express himself offensively. And then uh, Martin Riesevi, uh is another player uh, drafted into the dub. Uh, obviously he didn't go there this year, but, uh, you know, he's a sort of a bigger body, you know, two-way guy, uh, again, you know, playing against his peers. I think this would be a good opportunity for him to show 
uh, everything about his game and, and give scouts sort of a sense of, of what he can do. Uh, he's probably like a top 100 guy now. And Brabanek for me is maybe a, a bit higher. Uh, like I think Brabanek will go before Reesevi, uh, but we shall see. I'll name a couple other guys. I don't really have a lot of draft uh like prowess, but guys on uh, on Belarus and Latvia that I think are interesting. Uh, for Belarus, uh, Jakar Polshkov, he was the top scorer in the U18 team, um, like the the club team that plays. Uh, good playmaker, uh, actually quite a good skater for a guy um, coming from a program like that. Um, he, he he doesn't have any real NHL draft type. I don't think we're going to be talking about that. He's really small. I think he's like 140 or 150 pounds, but uh, he's kind of one of the team's big offensive contributors. Uh, Latvia is a team where I don't, th- I, th- I think Belarus is going to beat Latvia when it comes to, because I think they've got the biggest, they're the best overall players, but Latvia does have some couple ones that are interesting. Daryl's Durker is a forward, uh, strong, really strong kid plays like can hit, like it's his job, which it might be someday in the in, in, in pro hockey, not the NHL, but um, strong season in the U20 Swiss League. Um, played some exhibition games with Latvia a year ago, and actually I think he played pretty well in those games. Um, and, and there's maybe a team that would like him for the seventh round based off of uh, just kind of watching him play. Like there's something there, but not a whole lot. And uh, Martins Levins is probably the team's top centerman. Uh, very good to the U18 team a year ago. Uh, spent the entire season playing in the Latvian Pro League. And the only guy who actually had more points than him for an under-20 player in the in the Pro League was a defenseman, Gustav Olsenlinch, on this team who might get drafted again later. He's kind of got a Ryan Ellis style to him where he's a solid playmaker, not a big guy. He moves well, um, but we'll have to see. The thing about Latvia is that team is mostly made up of guys playing with Riga and they play together kind of like the development program in the United States. So there's something there. I just don't love a lot of the talent and their goaltending is kind of like their weak point there. So we've looked at all the major teams Give me your bronze, silver, and gold predictions. And obviously, we almost always get those completely wrong because two of these teams will play each other in the first round or something, depending on yeah, like how no. that goes. But the, what are your top three teams in this tournament? Okay, I'm going to go Canada for gold, the Americans for silver, Russia for bronze, with the Americans beating the Russians in the semifinal. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going for the same top three, and I'm going with... Going with Sweden, number four, but I think Finland's going to put in a good fight there. So that wraps up the under 18 portion of this podcast, but we are going to end this with an interview. Who did we talk to? We have Oscar Plandowski from the Charlottetown Islanders of the Q, another 2021 draft pick. Uh, his mom, Jill, is a power skating coach. His dad, Daryl, is uh, amateur scout uh, director for the Arizona Coyotes and used to be with the Tampa Bay Lightning and was also an NCAA hero with uh, Northern Michigan back in the day. Uh, so yeah, this is Oscar Flandowski. I'm here with Oscar Flandowski, defenseman for the Charlottetown Islanders and 2021 draft prospect. Oscar, welcome to the Prospect Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for being here. And to uh, to start off with, the uh, Quebec League postseason is uh, coming up fast. Uh, Charlottetown in a good position. Um, but just this season in general, obviously it's been a unique one. Uh, walk us through what it's been like for you just, just playing for the Islanders this season. 
Um, it's been great. I know it's it's definitely a strange year. There's there's lots of players um, around the CHL that that uh, unfortunately didn't even get a chance to play. So any any time you can be playing hockey, it's um, it's definitely great. But to have a good team and to win a lot of games, it, it definitely helps. Awesome. And just in terms of the flow of the year uh, and whatever training you've been doing during those sort of down periods, has it been kind of an, an, an odd year or have you been able to sort of take things in stride? I guess, you know, PEI has been better than most places in the country. Yeah. I mean, we're really fortunate to be in the, be in PEI and um, the Maritimes, I guess, for, for that. Um, but <laughs> There's, there's been lots of ups and downs just through shutdowns and mini breaks, but um, I think we, we our, our group in PEI, it's, it's definitely been helpful with, uh, I guess, just how, how adjustable we are and how we've been able to handle things on the fly. Um, really, it's, it, it's a strange year, but um, having a tight-knit group, it, it definitely does help. And, uh, I mean, you do have a really deep defense core, in Charlottetown there and, you know, a, a couple of older guys, you got Lucas Cormier, uh, obviously the Vegas Golden Knights pick. What's it been like, especially in your draft year, being part of uh, that very nice uh, blue line core there? Yeah, I think uh, part of what other teams know us by is, is obviously we can score goals, but um, we got a, a deep blue line that really is kind of, it helps us be aggressive and it's kind of how our whole game as a team kind of molds around that. Um, it's definitely, um, it's pretty helpful when you got uh, some guys that you can learn from and it's, it's, it's great to go to battle against them and with them um, in practice and in games. Right on. Now uh, you were maritime born and raised, but you did go out West for a season and play for the Okanagan hockey Academy in Edmonton. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, that, that was unreal. Um, so I, I was actually, I was born in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, and so my, my dad's, my dad's family, his side of the family is from out there. So um, I had family, I think two hours away. And then my, my cousins um, lived in Cal, they live in Calgary. So um, I had family close by and um, it was a great group of guys. I had no, uh, I knew through spring hockey. So um, I got to play with some, some good, pretty great players and play against some pretty good players. So it was, it was a fun year. Excellent. And then you also played for Selects Academy uh, in Connecticut, totally different group of guys. Uh, the next season, what was that like for you? Uh, uh, that was awesome. Um, it was definitely uh, pretty cool to be able to experience living on campus and uh, being in a different country. Um, I had a couple buddies with me from, um, from home and around the Maritimes. So it definitely helped being able to be with a couple people, you know, and, um, living on campus was for sure a new experience, but it was really fun. Excellent. Uh, now your mom is a power skating coach and, uh, and obviously skating is something that, that scouts have really liked about your game. Uh, how has she influenced your career so far as a developing hockey player? Yeah, I mean, definitely my, my skating is probably uh, the biggest strength in my game. So um, to be able to have that resource, um, pretty accessible. And um, I've had her my whole life just to be my personal uh, coach. So 
Uh, it's definitely uh, something I don't take for granted. And, uh, you know, <laughs> she's, she gets picky at times, but I mean, it, it definitely helps um, in the long run. It's helped me in my career. Excellent. And then uh, your dad is a, a scouting exec now with the Arizona Coyotes, uh, but he was with Tampa Bay uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, how has he influenced you? And, and did you get to uh, touch the Stanley Cup? Uh, I did not get to touch the Stanley Cup, but uh, no, no, I, I obviously have a, a pretty strong hockey family. And um, <clears throat> I guess uh, I just, I got to grow up, I grow up around hockey and um, that's kind of just been my passion ever since I was really, really little and all, that's all I can really remember. So um, to have him just kind of lead me through, uh, growing up and playing and kind of teaching me the ins and outs of the, of the game. It's, it's, uh, it's another thing I, I try not to take uh, for granted. It's definitely uh, very helpful. Excellent. And uh, as we mentioned before, you know, mobility is one of your big strengths. Uh, what part of your game would you most like to improve on at this point? Um, I'd probably say my uh, confidence offensively. Um, I used to actually, I played forward up until Bantam. So um, that's definitely part of the game. And I know, I know I can add more and um, I stressed a lot on, on myself to kind of work on my defense this year and um, improve on it from last year. So I think just adding more um, while still being reliable defensively is, is something I, I can improve on. Mm, excellent. And what went into the decision to go from forward right, to defense? Outro. Um, I tried it in spring right, hockey and I liked it a lot for our topics um, for this week's episode. I, I think, thank uh, you there's, there's not a lot of right-hand defensemen that, uh, are mobile and can skate. So I think, uh, just being able to kind of fit that role and, answer um, Twitter or in the being liking the positions, uh, it was important. And, uh, I mean, I switched and I never looked back. Thank you so much everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Right on. And, uh, finally, if there was an NHL player or a couple of NHL players that you'd want to model your game after, uh, who are some of the guys that you watch out for? Uh, someone I try to model the game after is uh, Ryan McDonough on uh, Tampa Bay. Um, he's about my height, and he's he's a good, solid two-way defenseman. He's he's not the run-and-gun offensive guy, but he can he still adds offense from uh, the back end. He's um, he's really reliable, and he's he's a great leader. Perfect. Well, Oscar, thanks so much for being here and good luck with the draft and the playoffs. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast. Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to have issues of the Hockey News Magazine sent directly to your mailbox. And send your questions for future podcast episodes to at THN Ryan Kennedy on Twitter.